Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Hi, everyone. On today's podcast, we are answering a question from our community. So our community is a place where members can go and post their questions and get answered by either one of us or another community member. So this question says, when would be a good time to teach a client to ask questions? Or what are some of the prerequisite skills before teaching to ask questions? So, um, you know, for example, a client who is almost six years old still requires a lot of prompting to man, his expressive and receptive language skills are limited, um, and parents really feel like he should be able to answer questions because it's somewhat age appropriate that a six-year-old should be able to answer questions, um, and, you know, trying to explain to them that we still need to work on demanding before the questions, um, and he can only answer simple questions such as his name. So what do you suggest? So there's a couple of different options that you could look at. So number one, you want to look at asking questions as well as answering questions. And if you're teaching a student to answer questions, you need to ensure that comprehension is there. Um, usually with an ABA program, we start with a manding program. So we're looking at asking questions. So let's start there in this podcast. Yeah, so... Teaching students, when we, when we talk about language, teaching them to get their needs met are going to be a, the most motivating things, the most relevant things, and the most you know, simple and discreet things that they can learn because it's very tactile. It's, it's clearly here. Can I have a cookie? Can we go outside? Um, those kind of things would be the best place to start. Um, and then once they have a little bit more of a manding repertoire, that's when we start building their receptive, what we call tacting repertoires. So those would also come usually before introverbal. So then we start asking them to show us, you know, the airplane and show us the cookie and, and where's the door and those kind of things so that they're not having to answer the questions verbally, but they're showing us that they know what we're asking them because they're able to show us. So that's their receptive language. Um, you can build the receptive and acting at the same time. So if you say, you know, where's the door and they go to the door, then you can say, oh, what is this? And then they tell you it's the door and then you can go outside and, you know, have a whole outing because they went to the door. 
we're huge advocates of teaching across offerings. So it's not about, okay, we need to teach all the receptive language first, and then we teach the expressive, and then we teach this, and then we teach that. We're constantly interchanging the receptive versus the expressive versus the manding. So, you know, if someone says, you know, I want cookie, or someone can't even produce those words, and they sign for cookie instead, or they do it on an augmented communication device, that's a mand. We say, great, here's your cookie. As they're eating their cookie, we can say, oh, look, it's a cookie. What is it? Or put out two things and say, which one's the cookie? So that you're not just teaching, okay, great, you got that mand in, but you're not just teaching the mand, you're also teaching that receptive and expressive language. Like Shira said, if you're saying, hey, where's the door? That's your receptive, but then following it up, even if they haven't mastered the receptive, following it up right away with that expressive, what is it? Door. So that they're learning how to answer questions, but not just answer questions that could be memorized. Um, And that's a huge pet peeve of mine is that sometimes kids aren't ready to answer questions at an intraverbal level. Um, But for ABA therapists, we do it anyways, sometimes just to check off a box. So, you know, one exception would be social skills questions like um, uh, I call them little old lady questions, like personal questions. Like, What's your name? How old are you? You know, somebody might not understand how old are you means age means four versus five versus six. But I call, like I said, I call them little old lady questions because when little old ladies or men or whoever uh, stop people on the street, they're like, oh, you're so cute. What's your name? How old are you? Um, that they can be able to answer that. And then, you know, that might be without the understanding there, but it's, uh, you know, something to engage in a bit of conversation. Um, once students do have more receptive and expressive language, then we could go into pure, like true introverbals and such that. You're saying, oh, you know, what is it? Door. Great. They've got that. Um, Then you would be able to say, oh, what what are some things that you open? You open a door. Great. What else can you do with a door? And that they understand that from a comprehension level that they haven't just memorized the word knock or they haven't just memorized the word open. Yeah. Sometimes, um, especially when we're using some assessments, we can kind of get caught in wanting them to master one section versus moving on to another section. And that's really not how learning happens. Learning really happens more dynamically and across operants so that they shouldn't have to like master manding and then master receptive language because it's going to be like six years until they end up with any introverbal goals. Um, But if you can kind of combine them all together, then it's a lot more natural and a lot more realistic. So we are um, big advocates of teaching across those operants. And like Shana said, there are also safety questions. If you can teach some of those beginner introverbal questions, like what's your name, you know, maybe where do you live and how old are you? Then even if your child is older and they don't really understand or they don't have a comprehension, at least they have some answers to those questions, you know, if they needed, they were lost or someone found them and, and they needed to get home. Um, And the other thing to consider with answering questions is what's age appropriate. And I don't mean age appropriate only in terms of their chronological age, but where are they in terms of their comprehension and their age ability and their their skill wise. Um, So a lot of kids, I think only around four or five, do they really truly be able to answer interverbal questions. So things like who's your teacher and what's your address and what city do you live in and when's your birthday and without any visual supports, and just having that conversation verbally, that is what we call true introverbal, if they're able to answer that. 
if your child is older and you want to start teaching it, it's great to start teaching it with visuals because then, you know, technically it's attacked and then you're supporting the introverbals with attacked. And then, you know, you're, you can fade the prompts or fade the supports and then be able to answer those introverbals. Um, but thinking about what's age appropriate, sometimes we get so focused on, well, the assessment says that there have to be introverbals, but if it's not something that, you know, your student needs at this point, and they really need to focus on receptive and expressive language and, and tacting and manting and those kinds of skills, because that's going to be more functional and appropriate, and that's what they need, um, then that's okay. You know, maybe the introverbals come a little bit later because teaching kids to answer questions without having them really understand enough language to support those questions is just going to result in a lot of rote memorization, um, some scripting, probably some behavior because they don't under- may not understand what's being asked of them. So it's not something that we recommend. There isn't a specific, you know, prerequisite to when you start teaching introverbals. Um, it's kind of once they really have a solid receptive and tacting repertoire, a good place to start with introverbals is with fill-ins. So like, you know, the first skills of the ables, it's always like take some of their common fill-ins. It's often things from like, you know, cartoons and TV shows that they really enjoy, like Dora the Explorer um, or Ready, Set, Go. So if you can see how quickly they're able to pick those things, those types of phrases up. Um, and that could be a good place to start. And I also find that if it's just becoming too hard and they're spending so long learning, you know, the answer to how old are you or when's your birthday, then they might not be ready for it. The other thing, too, is that I've seen people teach those introverbal skills um, too quickly. So, you know, personal questions aside, things like, um, you know, what do you do with this or feature questions like name all the parts of a cow or name all the parts of this or all the parts of that, then it's too much. Right. And if a student doesn't even can't even tact cow or can't tell you where a cow lives, even with looking at a picture of the cow, then that's what's difficult. Um, You want to make sure that you're grounding them with that expressive in the tag acting first with those pictures so they truly, truly comprehend. Um, Because otherwise, like Shira said, it would be like scrolling. I mean, they would scroll because that's all they have. uh, Did I guess it right? Is it A, B, or C? Which one is it? Um, So that can be difficult. Um, Now, Shira, we talked about, you know, answering questions and expressive and, you know, when to teach introverbals. um, But how about on the mandating side? So if you want to teach somebody how to ask questions, there's various types of questions that kids can ask. So there's the mandating for items, activities, manding WH. Um, but then there's also the asking other questions, things like, you know, someone says, how old are you? And then I ask, I answer the question and I ask right back. That's more beginner conversation. Or if I say to you, what color do you like? Um, those types of things are also asking questions. So let's talk about the manding first. Um, my general guide is I look at the ABLES, I look at the VB map and see what order they're teaching that in. You know, in terms of teaching from there, I would look at the VB map and I would say, okay, so can they man for items and activities? Okay, they can, whether that's with augmentative communication, sign, maybe it's one word. Um, It doesn't always have to be, you know, a huge long sentence verbally. Um, From there, can they start to man and do some appropriate protesting? You know, can they get their, um, their needs met, not only from an I want, but like, I don't want that. Like, I really want to protest appropriately versus having tantrums, et cetera. Um, Once they're able to do that, then you can start teaching the WH questions, but be very careful with this. Um, Just as an aside, I've taught learners how to man for where, for instance. So, you know, if uh, I say, Hey, let's go to the park and I hide their shoes, you know, they've got to say, I want shoes. And I'm like, they say, where are my shoes? And I say, oh, they're, you know, in the closet and they've got to go find them. And then we go to the park. Um, that's an appropriate 
they kind of begin our conversation. They're asking some, uh, you know, WH man. Um, but from there, um, what happens if a kid's not ready for that? So if a child doesn't know how to appropriately man for items and activities enough, if that's not solid, then the, if I'm teaching them the where risk or the where question, um, they might default to the where for everything. So for instance, if I taught, you know, where, where are my shoes, uh, where's my lunch, where's my pen, where's this, where's that, the next time they want something, instead of saying, you know, I want cookie, they might say, where's the cookie when it's right out in front of them or mom's holding it or something. So again, it's this delicate balance to make sure that these kids, um, you know, have enough um, of a repertoire within them from a language standpoint before you're teaching too much. And back to the question where it was, you know, the parent really felt strongly that they should be learning to you know, either ask or answer questions. Um, I would say that then use visual supports. It's technically attacked. And at least then you're building some comprehension. You're able to teach them some basic, you know, answers to questions. If they want to ask them, you know, where do you put your clothes or where do you eat your lunch? Those kind of things. Um, then use visual supports and just don't try to fade them until the child is ready and continue to build up that manding and that receptive and expressive tacting repertoires at the same time. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.